How's it going, everybody? Dan Fagella here with Tech Emergence. I'm lucky enough uh, to be on the horn uh, with Mr. Charles uh, Francia. Hopefully I'm saying this correctly. Uh, but no one ever gets right. my last name correct, <laughs> so I know how that goes. Uh, Charles involved in many, many, many different regards up in the, the Boston area and elsewhere, working at the MIT Media Lab uh, with one of the premier innovators in the domain of genetics, Mr. George Church at Harvard, as well as being the founder of BioBright, a startup in that uh, domain as well. Charles, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Cool. Doing well. Um, and uh, I, I know we had talked a little bit off mic or off cam here um, with regards to where your research is taking you and the particular areas that you're focusing on. The way that you had framed it was your research now and your interests are on going from bits to bio and bio to bits. So gleaning information from biology and building with biology. I wanted to kind of, maybe we'll go bits to bio first. Um, talk about an example tangibly of, of what you're working on, how you're working on, and what it's kind of producing there, because some, some kind of high-level stuff, but I know our guys will be interested. Sure. Uh, well, so bits to biology is actually a theme here uh, at the Center for Bits and Atoms that, uh, uh, here at MIT, where I work, um, where we've been uh, recently looking at uh, what is the interplay between biology and information. Um, biology is a wonderful material for creating um, new properties. Um, there's the domain of synthetic biology, which comes to mind, which is uh, actually my domain of uh, initial expertise. Um, and then there's also the idea, how do you quantify biology? In a sense, how do you turn biology into bits back into information for things like human health and, uh, um, and information in genetics? Okay, cool. Those, those are two main themes, I would say, that, that really come. Nice. Um, and uh, for, for that transition of um, bits to bio, what's maybe a particular project that really kind of exemplifies what it is that you're working on there, sort of the, the transitions you guys are looking to make in that research world? Yeah, so uh, in, in, in particular regards to uh, uh, bits to biology, one of the projects that we're, uh, I'm working on is what we call the nano-assembler. Um, some people have affectionately called it uh, the starter replicator. Uh, the idea is to try to use DNA as a building material as opposed to uh, a life material, really as a building material to encode geometry uh, with nanometric precision. Um, using infrastructure that maybe costs, you know, equipment that costs between ten or twenty thousand dollars, as opposed to billions of dollars of fabrication that we use for doing uh, electronic fabrication today. Yeah. Okay. Um, and in terms of, uh, you, you had mentioned building biology kind of around uh, geometry. What are what are some of the the more meaningful implications or applications of that now that you guys are are working towards? Like you had mentioned uh, constructing. Uh, with DNA itself, what is it that you're building now that's most exciting, or where are you guys eventually moving towards the the level of getting? Obviously, you know, nano replicators, you know, the with the the whole Star Star Trek implications, got some pretty cool stuff. But what are you what are you guys working on with that now? What are you constructing? Sure. So so that goal is obviously one that's that's uh, that's a little bit farther away uh, to build a server replicator. But eventually, we we, we hope we'll, we'll get there. Um, what we're doing right now is we're working on trying to assemble. Uh, these uh, nano bricks is what I call them um, together sequentially in a way that um, can be abstracted up to one layer. So now you don't need to know the sequence of the exact DNA strands anymore in order to build a house. You can just build a house out of nano bricks. Uh, it, it's kind of the idea how to hierarchically build structures, designer structures, um, out, of, out, of, out of these building materials, out of these nano bricks. Cool. Okay. So you're aiming to kind of, uh, I guess bricks is a very apt term then in that particular respect. You're aiming to find find those and be able to leverage them, use them however you want. 
Um, on, on the opposite side of the coin, we're talking uh, bio to bits. Maybe we'll flip things uh, bits to bio uh, or, or, yeah, w w whichever, whichever well, way around where we go. Getting I, information from yes, biology. Gleaning, yeah, gleaning information from biology. I know you and I had, had caught up about how uh, overtly complex that is with certain devices, but uh, maybe what are a couple examples of ways that you're working on that now given your, your current research? Sure. So, uh, um, so my current research actually uh, in that space uh, focuses on, on kind of two axes. One, uh, we're making um, electronics uh, available for quantifying human physiology. That's one aspect that's really important to us. Um, there are medical devices out there that can give you a lot of um, physiological signals, but by and large they're expensive, they're proprietary, you don't get to see the code, you don't get to talk to them and get the data. What we would like is for those to be available. So that's one project and, and that's, you can, I mean, there's a little bit more about it. We call, we call it bioglasses by and large, where we do ECG, EEG, um, and also pulse oximetry we're trying to do um, for these sensors. Um, but then there's also the, the flip coin, which is uh, when, once we started making these devices, we were thinking surely there's a, a, a way to get these devices to talk to each other because what's really valuable is not to get a single data stream like we can right now, i.e. just your heart rate or just your respiration rate, but really to see the whole picture and really to start and integrate those data streams easily, uh, cheaply, um, and just in a, in a way that's available. And, and that's really where uh, uh, I'm working on as well. We're, we're, we're about to release uh, something we call uh, uh, SDIP, which is the, basically the, um, uh, sorry, the DI, um, Devices Interoperability um, Protocol, uh, which we're, we're releasing open source. And the idea is that that would help uh, enable this communication between different devices. Um, so how, how do you get information from devices? But also, how do you make devices that are more accessible, cheaper, and available to the general consumer? Got it. And you, you had mentioned before, again, uh, about the idea of, you know, the ideal being having that dashboard that it, you, I think you used the yeah. Iron Man analogy where right, it's, just, right. it's all there. You've got the, the graphs, the charts, the correlations, they're in. Um, and that's just sort of the ideal world to to, uh, to to operate within. Of course, it's not currently the space. I know we're going to talk about business in a second. Um, in the the research lab, what are you guys working on to simple or to to unify and maybe make sense of you know heart rate data point, uh, you know EEG data point, etc. What are some examples of ways that you guys are bringing that onto one uh, one kind of scope and scale? Yeah. So 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 yeah. I often I'm, I often make this analogy where I came. I, I thought you know oh surely I'm coming to these awesome labs here in Boston, uh, and surely my, my workflow will be like oh I'll come and I'll have this almost like you know this Ironman dashboard with my heart rate and my or whatever or my cells the rate at which they grow like how 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 great you know so, yeah. some something fantastic. Or at least something not too far off from that, and and, and you know often I get the look the blank look and it's like oh well here, here's your notebook and your timer. Like really, that that's how primitive we are right now, and and, and it's disappointing when you look at uh, um, devices like the iPhone or, or current current modern devices for consumer. These are actually pretty advanced pieces of technology, and yet yeah. in healthcare we don't really have any of that. Um, so some of the stuff we're working on, in specifically, I, I mentioned as the the, uh, the data uh, interoperability protocol uh, is is something that's extremely important. For example, uh, what if you have all of these devices that are available Fitbit and all these things, how do you actually get the data from these things? How do you integrate them in one visualizing uh, platform? So we're, we're, we're releasing the, the, the kind of the schema, the high-level uh, data exchange schema um, um, open, 
And then BioBread, which is a, a company that I'm, I'm uh, a founder of, is working on trying to unify, taking this language, this unified language, and making an easily visualizable dashboard using technologies that, that are really cutting edge. So something like cutting edge web technologies in a way that we can just walk into a room and if I'm authorized to do so, uh, you know, all of a sudden at a glance get the information, the meta information from the devices directly that flow through this backend. Um, so, so that's really what we're working on right now. I had, uh, I had used, it's reminding me of a, a recent interview, I interviewed uh, Daniel Polani, he's a doctor uh, at a school in UK, University of Hertfordshire, I think. Uh, and and either way, he had he had made the analogy of in the early days of man, we had left the jungle. The jungle is where you're surrounded by life. There's life everywhere. Everything is is like a, it's a threat, or it's helpful, or it's like interacting with other things that are in that environment. And we kind of left that, and now we're moving back into this jungle where everything will be talking to everything, and there will be connections between uh, so much and and. I suppose, you know, the ideal efficiency-wise is to be able to have that be as accessible as possible when it's useful. Um, there's uh, a lot of, you know, complexity there, but clearly that's the ideal. That's what kind of brought to life when you mentioned stepping into a room and just, Absolutely. you know, having it that, all there. That, that's a great, I mean, that's a great analogy. I mean, there, there, there are tons of, of moments sometimes where, uh, you know, you, I, I don't know if this, this has ever happened to you, uh, but uh, you wake up and you're like, you don't know if you're just feeling bad or you're hungry or what it is. What it is. And, and, and we've really kind of lost touch with even our physical side um, uh, as humans. We, as we move into these more advanced systems, I mean, around this room, I can think of like hundreds of technologies that uh, enhance my day every day. But there's very little interaction with me as a, as, a, as a human body within this. Like, for example, how does the fact that there's no windows in here, is that going to make me more depressed? Or pale. this is my fifth cup of coffee, is that going to make me more stressed? Or is that actually going to put me just right on the right track? All those kinds of questions, I think we, they really intrigue us um, as humans every day. And we have very few tools to actually start to peel away at those interactions and un understand and tease under the... Uh, tease out these interactions, and, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get those data streams back into one language that's open, that everybody can look at, that's free, that's available, just uh, so that you can start asking your own questions and say, well, you know what, maybe maybe the air quality in here is not that great, um, yeah. but you wouldn't know if you're not measuring it. Yeah, 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 because you can't, you know, we don't have an accurate enough, you know, we can't do one of these and be like, oh, the air quality is yeah. not ideal in here. Um, yeah. And the same thing with hunger, or even other things like that. So, uh, with that being said, and because you're the founder of BioBright there, and obviously have worked, you work with Kinko and some other folks out of uh, MIT in the past. Um, where do you see the opportunity for whether bits to buy or buy to bits, um, a startup to make a difference, make a dent, make a change that a business couldn't? I'd like to start with what we had talked with off uh, off cam. Well, you had mentioned how a large company needs a proprietary method and mode and module that people interact with and they can extract things in one way and not everybody can touch that stuff and startups can really disrupt that. Talk talk a little bit more about kind of the, the open source and how startups yeah. can kind of break that mold. Well, absolutely. I, I think right now we're, we're in a world, uh, if you look around the devices uh, like Fitbits and, and things like that, I think we're in a world that is soon going to disappear. Uh, I, I think we're going to change... Uh, to a new business model, or at least we hope so, where 
the data collection uh, is no longer proprietary. The information and the value added is really given to you through the analysis. If you think about it, right, what is important in getting that information? You need the device that gives you that information, right? And that is value added. You will buy that. Uh, now, you want to get that data out of there, and you want to correlate it to a bunch of different things. Now, the analysis done to correlate that to all the other uh, data streams, and I don't know, it be able to predict whether you're going to have a, a stroke or not within the next six months. That becomes not only challenging to do, but also has a clear value added. Those two things have value added. The middle of the pipe, just the data collection and the aggregation, really doesn't. And right now, no business has any incentive in the current business model to um, open up that data collection thing. Some people are opening up their APIs a little bit, not terribly much, but we really think think that the space, the future, is where these companies will leverage those data streams and build new insights on top of that, really, really tease away at those interactions and find new interactions between the number of, of cups of coffee you drink and that, but without having to go through a full um, kind of scientific research, we really want to have hints. We don't necessarily have want to uh, take 15 years to figure something out, um, yeah. but we want to have hints at these interactions. So we, I, I really think that um, the, the future for the, for, for the world of startups in, in this space uh, really belongs at those two ends. Either you do a, a nice device um, or you do uh, data analytics and, and high or nice visualization of that data, but it really does, should not lie in, in, the, in the center, which is the data collection. And, and Really, that translates to us starting BioBright, which is we want to create a, uh, an entity that actually gives out a tool that does the data collection, that leverages on something like SDIP. It doesn't have to be uh, our, our protocol, but uh, on, on an inter interoper device interoperability protocol to gather all that data and then provide it to the person who's at the other end. To be frank, I'm not, I'm not necessarily the best person to do data analysis or, 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 or uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a signals person, I'm not a, a signal analysis type of person. But there are tons of people out there who are and yet are not necessarily hardware focused or bio focused enough or biology focused to get those insights out of biology, out of those things. So what we're trying to do is really bridge those two worlds and provide like a, a, a new platform for people to tease away at those interactions and really build new insights for, for biology, for human health, for chemistry, for home automation, for a lot of these applications. Yeah, it's reminding me again of, of some additional uh, interviews and, and insights. I think it's, it was Stuart Brand, the, the fellow at the, the Long Now Foundation, who had said that information yep. wants to be free, kind of yep. uh, popularized now. But I still think it's, it's quite insightful. And when I talked to Jeff Orkin, who's from your media yep. lab there, he had uh, mentioned something as well. It's it sort of to the tune of, you know, how much of a shame is it that there's been so much learned and so much data collected, I guess we could say, but, but there's people that are having to recollect and relearn and do re-five-year study stuff to, like, figure that stuff out because it's not all poolable. It's not all aggregatable. There's no, with, there, people don't have access to it when there could be insights in research and in business and in other areas so much faster. Now, of course, we'd have to kind of control and wield that growth but but I don't necessarily know if this if the the siloed way that that it had been done is necessarily better anywho so it, it's kind of bouncing off a lot of other things in my mind with that with that yeah. being said I guess and, and moving along you're pretty well involved in both of these domains uh, business wise you're moving in there as well as clearly in research for quite some time 
Um, in the next two to five years, you had said it. I'm a firm believer. You know, we're going to be in a, a drastically different world, uh, business-wise and otherwise, in five to ten years. In in maybe even just the next two to five, where do you see some of these bits to bio bio to bits? making their biggest societal impact, be it good or bad, where do you see the biggest kind of stamp coming uh, from the technologies you're working on? So, so um, there are a number of projects that I, I, um, we, we believe will, will, will give some results exactly in that kind of time frame. Um, I, I think the most important thing to note here is that um, there is a trend happening, right? Um, and these things are slowly aggregating. If you look at um, the way people have been uh, quantifying themselves, the quantify itself movement, yeah, yeah. or if you are uh, sick, you know, people more and more are trying to measure uh, those kinds of things uh, objectively or quantifiably. Um, I think within the next two to five years, we, surely we, we are hoping to see uh, prototypes of the platforms that exist. You know, Byrite is an example, and, and we may be the ones, somebody else may be the one. It, it doesn't really matter. Uh, what matters is that those platforms will exist. There's, there's no there's not that much uh, technical uh, computer science challenge for building one of these. What's difficult is in the domain expertise. So um, what's difficult and what we're hoping to happen is that some of the devices that we're building, the accessible EEG or ECG or pulse oximetry devices, and we're not, we're by far not the only ones to do it. There are people at Oxford doing it, uh, people in India, uh, people all around the world doing these devices. Seeing those devices being more, um, so much cheaper and much more accessible, I think is going to bring uh, a huge wave uh, of new things. Now, that's going to bring a lot of new data streams from a lot of people. And that's why you need the other and you need these platforms to come in. I really think that within the next two years, you will see a huge change with hopefully a platform or, or a couple of platforms that aggregate data from a range of different devices, be they uh, uh, commercial devices, be they uh, open source uh, hardware hacker kind of devices like the ones we're doing, um, or, or, or be they very uh, hospital setting devices, those hopefully come into a platform and merging data streams so that we are able to build new insights with these uh, algorithms, with these new approaches. I really hope that that's what's going to happen in the next, uh, uh, say, two years, so that we have a wealth of data that, that sees a huge resurgence in data analysis uh, and really in, in building new insights. In, in the case that I'm interested in is obviously from biology. I, I really want human health to completely change from the emergence of these, uh, of these data streams. And, and I think that's totally doable within two years. Nice. And in terms of, clearly that would open up so much opportunity for uh, research, for yeah. medicine, for, for all sorts of stuff. Where do you see that impact happening? So this platform exists. This information is so much easily, more easily accessible. Um, where, where does that start uh, you know, blooming in, in various meaningful ways? Or where do, you see, where do you foresee, once the platform exists, where are we really going to start seeing a difference in day-to-day -day lives and society, etc.? So, so I think there are kind of two axes, and this is true of, of many different things. Um, uh, there's research, and then there's real life. Um, <laughs> I think real life will need to 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 uh, um, get a big help from companies, emerging companies, startup companies, or existing big players. Uh, uh, I'm associated with one of them, uh, but emerging big players to really look at these new data streams and say, "Here's a new insight." Like, here is, for example, here is your risk of being uh, um, of having a heart attack within six months. Here. Maybe you should cut on this, or here is this little thing has been found to be correlated with um, sleep apnea or these different devices or, or these different uh, conditions. I think that's really kind of 
um, the opportunities that I see is twofold. There's research where we need to build new insights, and that's hardcore research that may take longer because yeah. we need to build new data analysis platforms. We need to build new, um, just new ways of, of correlating that data, and that's research that might take a little bit longer. But at the same time, um, you need uh, a whole ecosystem, and that's what we're trying to spur, uh, a whole ecosystem of devices, uh, a whole ecosystem of data analysis and visualization tools to bloom on top of that. So there's startups that will give you small insights, and, and, and you see kind of a, a very uh, embryonic stage of it right now. Um, unfortunately, it's siloed, but um, things like uh, the Fitbit dashboard and uh, you know the Withing Scale that tracks your, your, your uh, weight over time, et cetera, et cetera. So you see really kind of these embryonic forms right now, but I think that the biggest uh, uh, kind of effort really needs to come from uh, making these available. Once these are available, when these, this is available, then we'll have a whole new research field open to us. We'll have these new data streams will really call for new data analysis from research, but also um, new startup companies that can translate those research insights into day-to-day -day, uh, changes. And, and that leading to a faster prognosis of, of illness, faster treatment or better uh, treatments because we're able to make so many more statistical correlations. So just overall better. I, I mean, I, I have a, 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 this is dream that I have um, where, where instead of going to uh, the doctor when you're sick, um, you, you go to the doctor on a fixed amount of time, every three months, every six months, and then you review what your activity has been like for the past six months. And then if he says, ooh, what's, uh, what's uh, this curve? What's going on here? Like, it looks like you're, uh, it's like, oh, well, you know, December 31st is usually kind of a fun night and you know, it's a little heavy or whatnot. Or, or on the other hand, um, uh, you know, saying, oh, um, I, this pattern of, of arrhythmia uh, uh, in your heart that those few days, it's kind of strange. Uh, why is that the case? The thing is, right now, we don't have that data. We don't even know yeah, what that yeah, yeah, exactly. Is. You're you don't even in, know what that's going to yield. You're coming in ancillarily, um, just like here's what's happening today. Can you like uh, you know check my you know check my pulse really quick? Um, it, it's really kind of inverting. I, I like to call this a re really inverting the model of medicine on its head. It's saying uh, instead of going when you have symptoms, um, you go on a fixed period of time, and then you look at all the data. and it, And we'll need to build tools to make that efficient and and good. Um, but that really flips the idea on its head because now all of a sudden we can catch things like uh, there, more and more we're, we're starting to learn that disease is not something that is necessarily always symptomatic. When it's symptomatic, it may just be, um, it, again, it's like saying your car is, is making a, a weird noise. You're driving on the highway. Your car is making a noise. Right now, um, if your car is making a noise, you have to drive another 1,000 miles and then can stop and maybe you can kind of look at the uh, under the hood or maybe you just you can just listen to the thing and you're like well that's not really ideal what if I measured the car all the time and when it makes kind of a noise then I can stop much quicker uh, uh, on, on the side of the road and, and inspect it with a lot more information yeah. that that's really what I, I inverted so that we have so much information that we can down sample if we need to but we need to sample at much higher frequency in order to get those new types of insights. And and with that, with that being said as well, uh, I know there's folks like at the X Prize, for example, who are yep, working on sure. you know the the palm held doctor who you know in addition to having a guy who could look at those charts and graphs 
have an AI. I mean, you know, they got sure. kind of sophisticated ones in finance and stuff. You know, I, I heard they work on that a lot. So I bet you they're going to do the same thing in bio with all this correlative factors between genetics and, and symptoms and heart rates and, and whatever other data streams they can get access to. Um, do, do you see us eventually getting to that point where humans are vastly surpassed in terms of pretty much any diagnostic, prognostic kind of, kind of stuff? Um, I mean, I, I think, again, um, uh, I, I don't know if you know about the uh, IBM Watson computer, the one that played against Jeopardy. I, I think that's a, that's a good example. I think it, it, technology has to be assistive and, and has to be enhancing human uh, form. I don't think it will replace it. A lot of people are always afraid of it. And, and, and there are sometimes genuine risks uh, that that may happen. In this case, I think really we want to enhance as much as possible the doctor. At the end of the day, the doctor will be making the decisions because these factors are very soft, difficult factors. I mean, if you look at uh, arrhythmia on a on a on a on your chart, say this chart now exists for the entire year, the doctor may decide to say, well, you know, uh, that doesn't really look like anything, or that does. That really requires all the 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 work and the the studying and all that that bringing up of of, of these fields. What you see in high frequency. For example, the example of high frequency trading or, or uh, things like that. That's I mean, we really want to enable new tools like those to um, be used in other fields than the ones that they're used right now. There's a wealth of people who are extremely bright, extremely good signal analysis people, and they don't really get to play with the real signals that really matter. Human health. I mean, human yeah. physiological and human genomics in order to determine um, the 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 causes of the underlying roots of disease, they don't get to play with those data streams. That's really what we want to do. We really want to come to a future, hopefully very soon, where people just say, oh, I can actually just grab this data. Like, okay, provide it with security and all that, and that's, a, that's not a, a trivial thing to, to, to build in. For sure. Um, but, but with security, with authorization, but, but enable these, these data streams to actually come out of biology, go from biology to bits in order to get those bits of information, treat that information, and eventually then alter the course of biology in, in making recommendations and things like that, and helping you manage your disease, and helping you detect the disease, or helping allergies, things like that. We really want to, um, these two fields really need to come together. Uh, and and it's, it's a historical accident that these things um, got split up. Uh, and we, we need to bring a lot more technology into biology, into human, human health. Big time. And do you see that, that platform and all of those connections that will inexorably be part of that uh, paradigm shift uh, as potentially um, uh, going beyond amelioration? I know there's folks, for example, we interviewed Aubrey de Grey not too long ago at the SENS Foundation. There's a lot of people cranking away on those problems. Um, do, do you see the, the insights, the massive insights in bio, uh, potentially going beyond amelioration into those domains of literally, you know, extending uh, the biological functions, functionality, life that, that, we, that we have now? Or do you see us basically using it to essentially just prevent bad stuff? Where, where do you see that taking us? I mean, uh, uh, to be honest, I think there's so much work to be done, uh, even just in trying to understand where the disease comes from. In, in trying to understand um, what are the underlying roots of these things, what, what are the causative factors, what are the correlations between these things. There's, there's, there's a mountain of work. Uh, I, I, I don't see that um, 
you know, coming to completion anywhere uh, yeah, near the yeah, end yeah, of my yeah, lifetime. For sure, now, for at sure. the same time, if this, if this kind of, um, um, I don't want to call it a revolution because that would be way too grand, but, you know, if this new approach really uh, takes hold, maybe, you know, exponentially more people will get into it and, and maybe we can solve that problem uh, as fast as possible. I think if you do want to do kind of enhancement of biology, um, by and large, you need to go the other way. You need to uh, build those insights back into biology. Maybe you, you should look more at fields like synthetic biology. How do you build new synthetic functions into biology? Um, again, the tools that we have in those kinds of fields are, are still very primitive. So that will need, a again, a change of its own, a revolution of its own in tools um, um, in order to, to do 10x research. And this is something we, we like to, to say yeah. here is, is you know, uh, move from 1x to 10x. And we spend nine years doing 1x research, and then if you spend the last year doing 10x research, well, it's the same result as if you spend 10 years doing 1x research. So, you know, that's exactly the point. How do you build those 10x uh, tools uh, for, for those fields? I, I just outlined some of those from um, uh, biology to bits, and I think there's a mountain of work. I mean, it's, it's really... Unbelievable how much work there is in, in, uh, to be done in there, uh, but there is at least as much work to go the other way, uh, and that's also extremely interesting, especially if you think about the interplay between those two things. How do you put, uh, and, and I'll, I'll leave that, I guess, uh, uh, for imagination, um, how do you put a computer in a loop where biology goes to bits, the computer does some analysis, and then the, the bits then go back into biology to alter this. So how, for example, how could you uh, um, induce a cell, uh, not, on, not do computation in the cell, but use the cell as a sensory organ for a computer? That, that's, that's up for kind of um, fun and, and, and long-term research. <laughs> we could, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there could be a, a lengthy comment series underneath this article if we wanted to go down that, that road as well. But uh, good stuff. Um, just as a, as a wrap-up here, if folks want to learn a little bit more about the various domains in which you are working, um, I know that you have some kind of little personal websites up there. I don't know what you've got for your startup. Tell, tell the people, I guess, where they could connect to you and, and what you're up to. So um, they always can connect uh, to me uh, through email or, or I'm, I'm available. Um, my website, I will revamp that soon, uh, you know, uh, when I don't have a mountain of work to do every day. I know, uh, right. But um, uh, you know, we need no, a smart there's, technology there's a to automate, automatically updates those darn sites. That's what we need. Uh, it know. knows when you change your job, you know, and it can do it without you having it anyway. But yeah, go ahead. That's what Facebook is trying to court anyway. That, that's what LinkedIn and, and Facebook are trying to, to, to do for you. But um, um, yeah, so so you can certainly uh, go to my website, and that's kind of my, my, my personal approach. But this is way bigger than, than me or, or any of, of our efforts here. Uh, I'd point more to kind of the community projects that we're trying to, to kickstart. So, so for example, um, um, BioGlasses is an effort where we outline some of the sensors that we, we are building, and we would love to get more people involved in this, looking at the sensors, criticizing them, making them better, uploading new versions. Um, we also have uh, uh, on the BioBright website, which is kind of the company side, we are about to put up uh, now um, uh, specifications and details for uh, SDIP, the, the, data the sensor data interoperability uh, protocol that, that, that we're working on. Um, and again, we, we'd love for people, we really want just comments. I mean, this is not going to be the best thing in the world, um, but we, we want to get the conversation started and we want the right people to get involved. So, so I'd say that those, those three resources are, are the perfect places. There's my website, uh, um, so charlesfranklin.com, and then there's bioglasses.org, 
which is kind of uh, physical sensors, and then uh, biobright.org um, slash sdip will give you uh, information about that. Cool. Very good. Charles, thank you very much for being able to spend the Great. time today, brother. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, thanks. Hey, thanks for tuning in, guys. If you're an entrepreneur or a future thinker uh, with an interest in businesses, transitions, or technologies that have the potential to alter human potential, then make sure you check out techemergence.com. It's our main blog site where you can see all of our other interviews with uh, top startup leaders, uh, entrepreneurship experts, and folks in the domain of technology, cutting-edge emerging technology. Uh, if you have a particular interest in how technology can affect the future of human consciousness and our conscious experience, and be sure to also check out sentientpotential.com. There we explore a lot of the ethical considerations and really serious moral matters of emerging technologies, in addition to interviews with great philosophers and technology experts of our day. Uh, more than anything else, always feel free to reach out if you can find us via email. Um, you can reach out to us there or whatever other way. Find us on the blog. Be sure to drop comments. We believe that the serious uh, conversation about the future is not only open-minded, but also interdisciplinary and multifaceted. So we'd like nothing more than to be able to glean your ideas as well. Um, so with that being said, with the best of intentions for a brilliant future, this is Dan Fagella signing off. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>